what does your summer look like? What does your summer look like? Or what are your plans for your summer? Anybody, does one thing right away come to, to the top of your head that you want to share? Greece. Oh, this. Somebody's pointing to this. Greece. Greece. Whoa, that's pretty good summer plans. Can we join? Absolutely. Okay, cool. So anybody else? What comes to mind? Summer. What are you planning? Soccer? Barbecue? Barbecue. Swimming? Camping? canoeing, a lot of good stuff, a lot of good stuff, really good. Whatever you do this summer, don't let this define you. I found this uh, floating around the internet this week, and uh, it's this next picture. It says, anybody have plans to stare at their phone somewhere exciting this weekend? (laughs) Don't don't let that define your summer, all right? Do some cool things and make sure you pay attention when you're doing it. When you think about summer, summer represents celebration. Um, School is out, the summer comes uh, the sun comes up there's a smell of barbecue montreal is filled with festivals and celebration there's this uh, deep desire i think especially in montrealers because of our four seasons that when summer hits we long to celebrate we look for a party we look for something to celebrate around and even retailers they leverage our longing they get to us um you know here's one from uh, one from chapters i mean i'm i get their emails and i love books and stuff but i mean their emails the last two months have been just trying to sell me stuff for summer, whether it's been glasses or barbecue stuff or, you know, something for the beach. And Chapters is out with Happy Mondays right now. And you can, you know, make sure you go and get a cold drink on a Monday afternoon because it's summer. And so, the, you know, retailers love to leverage our desire to party in the summer, our desire to celebrate in the summer, because there is that desire. I think each and every one of us just long for hope to rise in the summer months probably because of uh, the winter months. But it, you know, as much as it's important to party in the summer, it's important to look for others and include others and to think of others. There's this longing as we hit the summer to say, oh, I want to be renewed and I want to be re-energized. But one of the challenges I want to give to you today is that as you think about your own renewal, that you also think about the renewal of others. And the other people, maybe the ones in your life or even those that aren't in your life but need to find renewal in some way that you can impact. So what kind of summer do you want to create? That's kind of my my leading question today. There's this favorite story of mine in the scriptures. It's really, really short, and it describes one of Jesus' disciples. In fact, his name is Matthew, and he happened to write one of the Gospels. One of the longest Gospels, Matthew's 28 chapters, and the book of Matthew has been used uh, for centuries within the local church to help people understand who Jesus is. Ironically, the, this story is about the day Matthew meets Jesus, and on that same day, Matthew throws a party. Jesus and parties seem to work good together, and we find it here in this text. So follow along with me. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew 9. If not, it's going to be on the screen, and you can follow along with us. And here's this just short glimpse of a slice of Matthew's life. As Jesus went on from there, so we're just picking up the story from where Jesus has been tracking, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up, And followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And on hearing this, Jesus said, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. 
But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Let's pray for a moment. Father, we pause and we just want to come into this moment with a posture of learning, a posture of welcome. Uh, we, we, we long for you to, to do something in us in these next few moments through your word and through your spirit. So we say yes to that. God, I pray that even over the next short time together that um, you would work in our hearts to shape the next few months of our lives so they will be meaningful and purposeful. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Here's this, this little, little slice of Matthew's life, super small, that we get in this short few verses. Matthew tells us part of his story, but the, here's the goal, right? Like Matthew's goal when he writes his gospel is to tell us about Jesus. And as he's telling us about Jesus, he thinks that we will learn something about Jesus if we get a glimpse of his life in this particular moment. So Matthew tells us about him so we can learn about Jesus. There's something important there. And something extraordinary happens to Matthew in this scene that he tells us about. Something really amazing takes place, and it's really a story of faith. And if you get a, just get a glimpse of who Matthew is for a second, Matthew would have been working for the government. He would, Rome would have hired people to collect taxes, and Matthew was one of those people that was a tax collector. It wasn't one of the greatest jobs to be known to have because you worked for the oppressive government that many people didn't like. And it also wasn't a great job to have because you took people's money. And Matthew's job at that time, nothing was done electronically, obviously. There was no forms to fill out specifically exactly as lengthy as we do today with our taxes. And it wasn't all systematized. Here was Matthew's day. He would sit in a booth for hours in the hot sun at a border crossing or some point where they cross regions. And as people would walk by his booth, he'd ask them for money. He'd collect the money. That was his day. And, math, and tax collectors were known for cheating people. So Matthew was probably one of these people who likely, um, you know, fudged the numbers. And when someone came and said, well, I'm going to go to this region and you've got to pay this tax, he would, he would make it higher and he'd pocket the rest. And tax collectors often did that. That's why they were, bun- they were kind of bundled up in this phrase from the religious leaders, tax collectors and sinners. This was Matthew's life. And He's not a, so he wouldn't be a well-liked person if you met him at the tax collector's booth. And if you knew his face when you met him in town, you probably would not want to hang out with him because you knew that he robbed you in some way. And he probably didn't have much of a satisfying type of life. But something totally different happened on this particular day. Jesus walks up past this tax collector's booth and Jesus sees Matthew. And he goes to talk to Matthew. Now here's, at this moment, Matthew probably knows a little bit about Jesus, probably knows that he's a great teacher, probably knows that he's performed miracles, probably knows that there's something really unique about him. He would have referred to him and maybe compared him to another local rabbi, but now this, Jesus as a local rabbi would be someone worth listening to. And Jesus comes by, sees Matthew, and he asks him a question, will you follow me? Like, just logically speaking, at this point, maybe Matthew's thinking, this is a better deal than collecting taxes. Because I hear some great things about you, and, and no, I would never imagine some teacher coming to ask me to be one of their students. And Jesus stops, 
and invites Matthew to follow him. I bet you Matthew probably realized for the first time in, in this little, little glimpse reflecting on that situation, oh yeah, God isn't just here. God isn't here for perfect people. God's here for messy people like me or people that other people don't always like or people that maybe are trying so hard in life but not always doing the right things to get there. And Matthew probably realized for the first time that God actually cares about messy people or people with messy lives. Uh, does anybody have a messy life? I, we, you know, um, we all have a mess in some way or another. But Matthew finds something so beautiful that day. He finds faith. He finds freedom. I, th- I think when Matthew heard Jesus' invitation, it was probably thinking something in his heart or his mind or hearing the words of Jesus, maybe it was something like this. Kind of Jesus telling him, Matthew, you don't have to live like this anymore. Matthew, you don't have to live like this anymore. Does anybody, you know, don't raise your hand, but do you ever live in fear of not having enough? I wonder if Matthew felt that. And I wonder if one of the motivations for Matthew, even though it wasn't a good thing, by taking extra money, maybe he was thinking, maybe he lived with the fear of scarcity. Maybe he lived with the fear of not having enough. And so he took it into his own power to pocket change, more money at the end of the day, to do whatever he wanted to do. I wonder if Matthew struggled with this sense of constant achievement. Does anybody feel that in our world? This push to constantly achieve, to constantly be number one, to constantly be better than the next person. And I wonder if Matthew every single day had this thought hovering over him. I wonder if Matthew maybe also dealt with some identity crisis because he was the guy who collected taxes. And, you know, we don't know everything about Matthew's life particularly, but he had friends, he had family members. He probably believed in his heart that he wanted to be a better person, that he wanted to be a good person, that he was a good person. But he knew that he, probably people had a different view of him. And he probably wrestled with, what is my identity? Who am I? And Jesus comes this day and invites him to follow him and start this new life. And in one way or another, Jesus is saying, Matthew, you don't have to live like this anymore. Matthew, you don't have to live in constant fear of not having enough. Matthew, you don't have to live in in constant achievement mode. Matthew, you don't have to live in an identity crisis. Something new can take place in your life and in your heart. And I think in that day, as Matthew puts himself into the story of Jesus, he's telling us he found freedom from the life he was living to this new life Jesus was inviting him to. But it didn't just happen It happened because he responded to Jesus' invitation. Jesus actually came up to him and said, Matthew, follow me. Come and follow me. And it says that Matthew tells us that he gets up and he follows Jesus. So in that moment, Matthew had faith to believe in who Jesus was, partly at least, and in what he was inviting him to, and that something was going to be better. Matthew had put his faith in Jesus' invitation. This wasn't just a career change for Matthew. It wasn't like, oh, great, you know, can you find me another job? It wasn't about that. This was a life change. This was something so different. This was following Jesus to learn from Jesus, to live the life that Jesus calls him to, to experience the the joy and hope that Jesus gives him, to live out this message. And it also meant to believe that he was going to discover God in a fresh way through Jesus. Matthew knew the religion of his day. Matthew 
was aware. He grew up in a religious home, likely. But he, he was longing to see God in a fresh way. And Jesus was inviting him to that. And Matthew put his faith in Jesus, and he found freedom. But it took Matthew faith to follow Jesus. Think about this. He left what he knew to discover something new. He left what he knew to discover something new. That takes faith. It takes faith to leave what you know to discover something new. It takes faith to do that. Matthew found faith that day, and he put his faith in Jesus. It was a life change. And how do we know this? This is really cool because Matthew puts himself in the story of Jesus. I don't know if anybody would be that kind of presumptuous. Like if I was going to write a story about Jesus and then say, you know what, in chapter 9, I'm going to slip myself in. Like, I want to get myself in the story. It, Matthew just puts himself in the story just for a few verses, and, and it, I find it fascinating. And if you would read a little bit before and a little bit after, he's telling us about all these miracles that Jesus is doing. So he tells us of how Jesus heals someone who can't walk and gives sight to a blind person, that he raises a little girl from the dead, that he calms a storm, that he frees someone from a, a demonic spirit. In, in chapter 8 and chapter 9, right, right, you know, kind of bookends to Matthew's inclusion here, we read about all these miracles, all these restoration stories that are going on. Someone gets healed. Someone gets raised from the dead. The storm is calmed. Uh, someone who's tormented by evil spirits is freed from that. And then we read this like, simple story about Matthew, who meets Jesus. Jesus sees him, calls him, follow me, come. They throw a party at, Matthew throws a party at his house. Why would Matthew put himself in the middle of the story? I think Matthew believes that even though he was able to walk, he could see, he wasn't tormented by evil spirits, he wasn't dead, he was living. But when Matthew looks at what Jesus did in his life, he says, that's what happened to me. No, I didn't need to be given sight, but my life was transformed. I didn't need to be raised from the dead, but my spirit was changed. I didn't need to walk again, but God, it's like God gave me new feet for life. See, Jesus wasn't just healing people of sickness or disease or evil spirits or even raising people from the dead. Jesus was healing people, period. Their hearts, their lives, their soul. And Matthew realized that his encounter with Jesus was just as much a miracle as the blind person and the person who can walk and the dead person and that moment in the boat when Jesus calms the storm. Matthew recognizes my encounter with Jesus was just as much a miracle because Jesus changed my life. It's an extraordinary thing about Matthew's experience. But here's the cool thing. Matthew doesn't keep it to himself. Immediately, we read that Matthew has a dinner party. And it's, it's interesting because I don't know about you guys, but when something really good happens to me, sometimes I want to just keep it to myself for a while. I just want to like, indulge in it. Um, or if I get like some really good food, I'm like, I think I want to enjoy it first and then I'll, I'll share the wealth. You know, you get something good like that. You're like, I think I want to just experience it a little bit more for myself. I love what Matthew does. Matthew ends up in almost instantly. It's like, as he finds something so beautiful that day in Jesus, he wants to share it with others and he throws a party. 
And he throws a party to celebrate. And I love the guest list because the guest list are his brand new friends. He meets Jesus and Jesus and his disciples there. And all of Matthew's current friends, the tax collector friends, his work buddies. And they're all there together. It says that Jesus and his disciples were there. Matthew, tax collectors and sinners were there. And so we have this amazing moment where Matthew's life now is benefiting others. That, that when he comes into contact with Jesus and he encounters Jesus, not only does he find freedom and faith, but he expresses it through friendship. And everyone is welcome. Everyone is included. Everyone is fed. Everyone is given a seat at the table. Matthew wants all his friends to, to know. Matthew wants all his friends to experience what he's experienced. And if you think about Matthew's party, Matthew's party that day, he was celebrating faith, he was celebrating freedom, he was celebrating friendship. And then he wanted it to overflow to others. And I was thinking about this and I thought, what if our summer, our actual summer, would reflect this party that day? What if we would look at our summer and say, what if my summer could have glimpses of Matthew's dinner party? Because Matthew celebrated faith, and freedom and friendship. Matthew's experience was about renewal and it was about impacting others. So you've got like, how many, how many days of summer do we have? About 91, 92. So let's average them out to 100. 20. Some people think 20, but no, don't, don't be a pessimist. Come on, Nick, you're going to Greece. Why are you talking like that? Um, anyways, <laughs> what if your summer, what if my summer included renewal and impact? What if it included faith and friendship? What if, if your summer, when you look at your summer, the next hundred days from today till the middle of September or so, and you say, how can my life in some way, shape, or form be an impact to others? How can my life um, show others that they're valuable and that they're loved? So here's, here's my challenge. I set up today this, this kind of scenery here, and these are, these are our beach chairs, and uh, they're super fun to use. And I was thinking, I mean, what if, if we just set out this one little challenge? It's going to be a little low to get down onto, but okay, there we go. Um, so what if for the next 100 days you, had, you just put one goal in your calendar and you said, I'm going to at least throw one barbecue that's going to reflect Matthew's dinner party? It's going to be a celebration of renewal, a celebration of faith and friendship, a mixed crowd like Matthew had, um, and that it would be a celebration of life and hope. Who, who's it? Who would be into that? One barbecue. Okay, so I have five barbecue bottles here. Who want, whoever wants it first. Honestly, come up since there was so many. Okay, you go. Mark has got one. You got another. I got three more. Three more. Beth got one. Okay, two more. Two more. Who's in? Who's in? Who's in? Okay, Nathan, last person. Don't worry. You're not cheap if you want one. Go, take it. What, who? Uh, okay. Awesome. Samuel's getting it for his grandma. Woo! What if this summer, in a in hundred days, yes, if you can borrow it if you want, okay? So, uh, so what if in, in 100 days, just, you can do more than one, but if you say in 100 days, I want to throw one party that reflects Matthew's dinner party, one party that reflects faith, friendship, freedom, you mix up the crowd. 
You know, and, and, and what if you look for a Matthew in your neighborhood? The Matthew that was sitting at the tax collector booth that day. What if you look for a Matthew in your workplace? Or a Matthew in your circle of friends? And some things to look for is maybe, maybe look for the facade of accomplishment, but those who are looking for affirmation. Maybe the facade of status, but really looking for significance. Maybe the facade of real estate, because they rent an apartment or own a home, but they're really looking for relationship. Never forget when I moved into my, our neighborhood here in DDO about 10 years ago, and we, I met my f- f- the first parent of um, some of the kids at the bus stop where my, where my son was. Now we've become friends, me and this guy. We actually had coffee, you know, early breakfast a few weeks ago. But when I first met him, he told me, and we were talking, I said, well, who do you know in the neighborhood, you know? And he said, you know what? I've been here 11 years, and I really don't know many people. And I thought, how could you not? I thought right away, how could you not know anybody? And I just, I felt like he was this person who's, you know, a great person, but longing for relationship, but longing for someone to reach out, longing for someone to pay attention, longing for someone to make the invitation. If you, if you don't know what to look for or who to look for, here's this image I want to just put on the screen, and we used it last fall. And, uh, and so if you see this image, if you can see it well, let's say this is you, and, and the, four, the, the eight squares around you or so are the houses around you. Now, look, if you live in a neighborhood, this makes sense, the four houses around you. If you live in an apartment building or a condo, then think of it as floors, you know. Uh, if, you, if you live with nine roommates, then think of it as people maybe, I don't know. But, um, but the point is this, you get the picture, right? If you don't know who or who to, who to reach out to, what if you would say, this summer, I'm going to include one or two of these boxes in my Matthew dinner party, in my barbecue. I'm going to reach out to one or two people and invite them in. Last summer, Frank and I wanted to, we were thinking of doing this uh, block party at our house. And of course, uh, on, like on our street, and I was talking to my neighbors. I said, hey, why don't you want to help us do this party? And they said, yeah, sure, we'd like to help. So I told them about the block party. Like I was thinking like 100 people, you know? And he was like, uh, well, I don't think we're good. We don't want to do 100 people. We just came off our big barbecue. We served 700. I thought we can do 100 in our neighborhood. No problem. But, but anyways, he wasn't as keen into that. So he said, well, why don't we just do a few homes? Like on just... In fr- just in front of us. And so we had 10 neighbors. Uh, we all hung out and we shared our lawns and they ended up eating on our driveway. And I swear, I'm so glad I listened to my neighbor that we didn't go for the 100, that we stuck to the 10 homes because we spent two hours, all our neighbors in a circle for two hours just talking and sharing and getting to know each other and hearing each other's story and eating together. And I know, I know that, you know, that's not necessarily going to transform somebody's life forever, but there's, that's one piece of the puzzle that brings people together, that brings people together. When we think about sharing our faith, there's one author, uh, his name is Nabil Qureshi. He was a former Muslim who became a Christian. And he writes about his story, but he says this in, in a sad way. He said, since no Christian cared about me, I did not care about their message. That's what he said. Since no Christian cared about me, I didn't care about their message. And, and as much as maybe you want to be like Matthew and, and you know, like overflow your faith to your friends, part of what Nabil Qureshi says here is true. Why would people care about our message if 
we know they don't care about them. And so you don't care for people just to give them a message. You care for them just to care. You care for them just to, just to get to know them, just to listen to their story, just to share a meal together. So would, would you commit to one, here's our hundred, one of our 100 days of summer commitment, one summer barbecue that mixes it up and fulfills part of Matthew's dinner party. So commit to one personal party. Commit to, here's one thing, Matt, uh, Sean, Sean shared about it today, that all the flyers are on the, on, the, on the seats. Would you commit to helping us throw a super amazing party for our larger neighborhood in August, on August 16th? Because part of what we do here in August, when we throw this big barbecue and have over 700 people come to the lawn, it's not, it's not to be big, it's not to be, it's not, you know, to, to, to get more and more people. Our honest desire is to bring neighbors together, is to bring people together so they will experience authentic love, sincere grace. So they will experience what God is doing in us, but what God is doing through us. So we can bless people. You know, there's some people who don't know their neighbors and a party like ours will bring them together. There's some people who don't know how to connect with others, but a party like ours on August 16th will help them connect with other people. There's some people who don't know that, that, that people actually care for the community and that they will communicate that somebody cares for the community. So would you help us throw that party? Would you come on board with us as we plan for this large barbecue? One personal party, one large party, and then you can do what you want at that point. You can go out and bless the city and connect with the city and, and learn from our city and, and see what's going on and meet different people and listen to the heart cry of our city and serve where possible so that you will be an impact this summer. So think about your next hundred days and don't let, it go, don't let those hundred days go by without saying, this is going to be one of my priorities. And then the other piece of this, and I'll come to a close with this, is renewal. In the next hundred days, in you know, summer it's so easy to say, I just want to escape. I just want to kind of like sit on, like lay on a beach towel and do nothing. Who, you know, who doesn't sometimes just want to do that? But I bet you there's times when you reach out to escape, and at the end of the escape, you realize you weren't renewed. Because it's not just about escaping. It's about being renewed. And I would even go further and say, in the next hundred days, how will your spirit be renewed? How will your faith be nurtured? Like Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth, if Jesus comes by, will you miss him? Will you respond to him and say, yeah, Jesus, I trust you. I'm going to go further with you. What, what, What will you do? Will you miss him or will you walk with him? I love how Jesus confronts the religious leaders because these religious leaders look at this crowd and say hey what's up with this teacher there's like tax collectors and sinners there and jesus tells them straight up without even blinking hey uh it's not the healthy who need a doctor it's the sick now what jesus was saying is not you're healthy so i'm not coming to you they're sick so i'm coming to you jesus was saying only those who recognize they're sick recognize that they need a doctor and it doesn't matter if you're religious or irreligious. It doesn't matter how good you are, how bad you are. Jesus is saying, I've come for those who recognize that they need me and that they want to follow me and that they know that, that their step of faith will bring new life. One of my son's friends, uh, before exam started, got hit in the head with a soccer ball at gym class. Don't laugh, okay? Kids, don't laugh at that song. But anyways, well, I don't know. Once you get see someone, forget it. That was bad. Okay, let's just kind of... Anyways, the point is, this teenager got hit in the head with a soccer ball, and like she went down. And, 
you know, you don't know when, when someone gets hit in the head, you're not sure what's happening. And there's nothing visible. There's no blood. There's, there's, there's nothing happening. There's sometimes even no pain after that. But when they brought her to the hospital, they realized she had a concussion. And that she, she, you know, she was actually, all of her friends thought she was lucky because she didn't have to do exams. But the reality is this, is that when you get hit in the head like that, from the outside, you have no clue if you're sick or not. From the outside, just looking at that person, you might have been able to walk right away. And you have no clue of what's going on on the inside. It's so much different when you get cut or when there's some kind of injury that's so visible. You get it right away. But when a concussion happens, it takes time to really figure out what's going on on the inside. And so here's here's the thing for you and me. You might look, and I might look like I have it all together on the outside. But Jesus says, no, I, I want to come and I want to bring you the kind of life that you don't, real, you don't even realize you can have. I know what's going on on the inside. And I, wanna, and I ask you to follow me. So my challenge for you around renewal and faith, for some of you today, maybe you're here for the first time and you're thinking, I want some more renewal in my heart. My invitation to you is come back. Just come back and, and listen and hang with us a little bit and as, we, as we learn more about Jesus. For some others, it might be just setting a goal around, I'm going to read the stories of Jesus this summer. I'm going to read through Matthew's gospel. I wanna, I'm going to get to know Jesus in a new light and just to come to get to know him in a, in a deeper way. For, I think for all of us, I would challenge you and say this. When we do church at home this year and it comes up in July and, and there's different homes all over the place, these environments are so awesome for renewal in terms of your relationships, in terms of your rhythm, in terms of your faith because you, gather, you get together in a more casual setting that doesn't have, you know, there's no stage set up, there's none of this. There's, it, it's, it's about nurturing each other's faith and life together. So join a church at home group this July. And here's one last piece. In your search for freedom and renewal, don't just escape. Don't just escape. Don't just run and say, I'm going to get so busy trying to vacate. (laughs) I'm going to get so busy trying to be on vacation that you get so busy having fun that you never rest. Let summer be a celebration, but don't let it rob you of renewal. Make your summer intentional. Um, we're going to share some more ideas around 100 Days of Summer over the next couple of weeks. We're going to have a flyer out next weekend and we're going to have stuff on our website. But my, here's my two challenges. Renewal and impact. Will you, will you, in the next 100 days, be renewed? And it's your choice to make room for it. Will you, in the next 100 days, be an impact to somebody? And it's your choice to make room for it. Jesus wants to come in and give you what you need for that. Jesus wants us to overflow. And, and I'm going to leave you with this last verse because I think it just, we're going to end this way. And so, in fact, why don't we, why don't we all stand and we're going to read this together and, um, and we're going to end with this challenge because it really brings this all together. Um, let's read it, okay? You ready? Read it with me. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Spirit. I love that. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and hope. How? As you trust him. That's what Matthew did that day. He put his trust in Jesus. He said yes when Jesus followed him. He left something he knew because he was discovering something brand new. And that, that's what trust is. May the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace 
And I, I just got to be frank with you. It doesn't happen by just trying. It doesn't happen by just reading. It doesn't happen by, oh, I long to have joy. As you trust him, as you follow him. And then here's, here's what Matthew did. So that you may overflow with hope. When Matthew threw that party, what he found and discovered in Jesus overflowed to his friends. And that's possible for each and every one of us. As we, as God fills us with joy and peace, at, while we put our trust in him, it overflows. And it's a blessing to others. That's the kind of summer I want to have. I think that's restful. I think that's renewal. I think that's fun. I think that's celebrative. I think that's probably one of the better kind of parties we could throw. What do you think? I think so. Let's pray. Father, we are just so thankful. Um, just so, so thankful that Matthew wrote himself into this story. So we got a chance, a glimpse. To see that you long to work on the inside. Sometimes it's so easy to label when you work on the outside. If it's a healing or a situation. But God, Matthew wanted us to know that Jesus did something on the inside and then it changed his life from the inside out. Father, I pray that you give us eyes to see and recognize where we are hurting. Lord, where, where we hear, where we can hear your voice say, you don't have to live like this anymore. God, show us those areas. Whether it's our, our constant achievement or the pressure of culture, whether it's the fear of having enough, whether it's being certain about our own identity or what others think of us, whatever it might be, God, Lord, may we hear your voice as we get closer to Jesus. May we hear your voice say, you don't have to live like this anymore. And then, Lord, give us the faith and the strength we need to say yes to the invitation of Jesus to trust him and follow him. And God, then we trust you that, that as that happens, the overflow of what you're doing in us, Lord, may we steward that to be a blessing to others. May we steward that to impact our neighbors, our coworkers, our family, our friends. And maybe someone that we catch eyes with one day that looks like Matthew did, that we get a sense that he's longing for something new. Lord, may your hope overflow in us and bless that person on our path. God, may this summer, as we launch into 100 days of summer, be filled with renewal and impact, be filled with faith and friendship. As we do it in small ways, as we come together and do it in big ways, as we set up a rhythm that is restful but also renewing, as we nurture our faith and as we trust you and grow in you, God, and as we grow in community, even as we're vacationing in different places, God, may we be walking with you in this rhythm this summer for renewal and impact. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.